The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Z-Pod. An Outreach Ministry of Identity Matters podcast. Z-Pod is focused on addressing the worldview issues relating to the millennial generation and their children, Generation Z. Our new podcast series reveals the importance of the indwelt believer knowing and understanding who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to Z-Pod with Dr. Stephen Finney. This is part B. So here's what relative is. It's a self-governed decision based on what is appropriate to the current time, period, or circumstances of contemporary interest. Relativity is the absence of standards of absolute or universal application. So since the church, here's the deduction, since the church itself no longer influences the culture, the society as a whole, or the generation. We can check that box. Many have. So since that's true, we have a problem on our hand, which is becoming problematic ethics, is that the standards that build absoluteness are gone. They are gone. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do do not have sex before marriage. Do not, do not, do not, do not. All these don'ts are in the word of God. The standards have existed as long as God has existed, which is a very long time. They're gone. That, listener, is why there are no absolutes in the world anymore. The standards of God have been completely removed. Why do you suffer with things today that you would call a sin? And other things that you have done that are just as much of a sin as committing adultery, but yet you don't label this one over here on the left a sin when they're both sins is because you have been pulled into pluralism. Your flesh has been customized to be very pluralistic, so therefore you decide what's a sin. So therefore your preacher preaches to you and you don't come under conviction. That's because you're pluralistic. Flesh today in 2018, I personally define it as emergent 
and pluralistic. And we're not getting conviction responses back from people like we used to. Because it's gone. The standards are gone. It's not going. They're gone. So what are we doing is we're legalizing same-sex marriages and So now it's a political issue on exactly what we talked about years ago when they legalized same-sex marriages. I said, I'm telling you, the next thing on the docket is going to be marriages of polygamy, you know, with a certain religion. They're going to step up and say, well, we have rights then. Well, the number one thing that's of concern to polygamy is they usually start at 12 years of age, girls that are 12 years of age. So now we have pedophile laws that have to be changed. That's what's on the docket. Pedophile marriages. How do we get to this point? Because the absolutes have gone bye-bye. God is a minority. And all of his children are minority. We are no longer the majority. There's been a shift in our culture. And it's permanent. You cannot redeem a culture. You can only redeem the people within it. Here's what the Word of God says. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-12. through 12. He says this. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction to those who afflicted you and to give you relief To you who afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will reveal from heaven his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing with retribution of those who do not know God. Now here is a just God. On one hand, Paul has given us a compliment. On the other hand, he's given us a warning But the primary thing I want to point out in this portion of the passage is that God has the right to be intolerant to those who do not support the absoluteness of the existence of God, the existence of Jesus Christ, and the existence of the Holy Spirit as one God. God is is monotheistic. He always has been and he always will be. He is the only God. This wannabe God that's at the end of the wide road is a replica. This is very critical. Second thing is, God is intolerant. He's not interested in sitting down with you and having a discussion and having you hope that he will adopt some of your views and accept you as a person and then possibly accept some of your worldviews. He will not. You adopt his way, his method, in other words, his modality. You adopt his truth, 
which is him, there are no deviating from these narrow-minded elements of the overall truth. He is intolerant of anyone who tries to negotiate with him like Satan did. Satan got nowhere with his negotiations. Nowhere. This is what our generation today is fighting. This is it. There's no negotiations with these born-again Christians. But then they can't really figure out why they're taking time to sit down and talk to us about these things. We don't tolerate people because people are people of flesh, whether you're born again or not born again. We don't tolerate people. What we become tolerant of is our mission that is given to us by our leader to be intolerant toward the lies and the primary enemy. That is what we're to be intolerant with. People are like sheep being led to a slaughter. So you can actually love the person sitting across the table from you having this discussion and they think that their world view is majorly going to influence you and it can't and shouldn't influence you at all. You're in charge. And we are. Can you imagine having a child from the living God sent to sit at a table with you in a library and to think that somehow you're going to be schemed or lied to and sucked into someone's pluralistic ideas about relativism? If you are, I have a different kind of question to ask you. Your people-pleasing is selling you out to a God with a little g, to relative thought. So what exactly is ethics? First we need to define what ethics is. Through the generations, ethics represented moral philosophy. A moral philosophy that involves systematizing, defending logic, processing as well as recommending concepts or documented truth of what is right and wrong. Now the key you need to underline there is documented truth. You see, in normal ethics, they're into documentation. In the video that we watched, where did the discussion naturally move itself into? Documentation. So these relativism type of individuals are into documentation. But here's the twist. Since they're deceived and the word of God is calling them the liars, when you present to them the documentation, do they believe it? Of course they don't. That's why the Holy Spirit said, or one of our teachers in the Bible said, for it is the Holy Spirit that teaches you. It is the Holy Spirit that grants you understanding of truth and the word. So their intellect isn't even in the game. 
but you need to say it. The documentation thing must be said. It's a part of ethics. The term ethics derives from an ancient Greek word, basically meaning habit, generational custom, which I find very interesting. So if my children see me go to church, they are more apt to go to church. It may not be for the same reasons, but they're more apt to go to church when they grow up. If my children watch me stay at home and not go to church, my children are going to be more apt to not go to church when they grow up. That's what they're talking about here. Generational customs are built in to that generation's ethics. The branch of philosophy that comes from sub-branches, one of them being where we get the term and the idea of something that's ascetic, beautiful. But the reason why I want to use that example is that when you stand in front of a beautiful painting and you are overwhelmed by the beauty of this painting, in my mind, I know that for you to be able to say that is an absolutely beautiful picture and you're just standing there and you can't even pull away from the picture because it's captivated you, that means that you are making a confession that that picture is communicating a set of values that are very important to you. It could be farmhouses. It could be a cityscape. It could be stars. Whatever the artist put in there, it is addressing your value system and that is where we're able to look at someone and say, you are beautiful. When to someone else is say, that, that gal's is about as ugly as a, you know, doorpost. And this person over here is saying, she's just beautiful. It's tapping into a value system. You see what I'm saying? What you call beautiful is not necessarily what your neighbor is going to call beautiful. So it demands a pluralistic environment. So you're standing in the museum looking at a picture that has completely captivated you. Someone has come into that room. They're standing looking at that picture. And the guy looks over at his wife and says, Now that's about the stupidest picture I've ever seen. So what do you do with that? She's got a value system that captivated her. This person has no values connected to that picture, so it is not important. That's what's happening. Now when you put a bunch of those people in the room and they have their own value system, each are going to look at that picture completely different. So since we're not supposed to stand in museums and get into arguments with people who say that that picture is the most stupid thing I've ever seen, we are required to get into a pluralistic environment and accept other people's views and not insult them. Here's what we have when it comes to religious beliefs. If you would consider the ethics of beauty what is ascetic, you can you can look at a god the very same way. I look at Buddha and say, that is the stupidest looking statue I've ever seen in my life. Whereas someone else would shoot me for saying that. 
Right? So here we are. Generational ethics issue when it comes to Buddha. I say shoot me. (laughs) But that's not what's happening. One, tackling the statue has got nothing to do with reaching that person. It's really irrelevant, so to speak, topic. But if that person started pushing, exposing their God, their religious views, their religious values onto me, that is when we go toe-to-toe. There's no pluralistic shaking their hand and treating them nice. I should treat them just as nice as I treated my wife five minutes earlier. That shouldn't be different. What should be different is, excuse me. There's not only another view. There is a God running your God. And I got into a discussion with the guru. A very, very high-end guru. She headed up the entire medical mission for their religion in America. Got stuck with her on an airplane. Went into this godological deduction process with her three hours worth. The end conclusion was she draws this mountain on her notepad and there's all these pathways that lead to the God. And she was done. I said, well, what's, what's that God's name? And she actually didn't give me an answer. I said, could I write his name in there? So, you know, I grabbed her pen and I wrote Satan. Handed her the pad back and I said, I'm just curious about this. These pathways that you drew on this mountain, is one of them Satanism? Is that an acceptable religion to to your religion? She says, well, that is a lower pathway. I said, it's the main religion to get to Satan. That's his religion. I'm a Christian Satanist. Didn't matter what the other pathways are. That's the God. His name's Satan. Here is Satanism. Not all of them wear black hoods. Maybe they're all of the same religion. That kind of deduction brings out your values when we look at just ethics alone. Here's the three categories of ethics. You have meta-ethics, which is concerning the theoretical meaning and reference of moral propositions. That means you not only have a position, folks, you are very active in it. And how their truth values, if any, can be determined. So it becomes very scientific, initially. Normative ethics is concerning the practical means of determining a moral course of action. Finally, applied ethics is concerning what a person is obligated or permitted to do in a specific situation 
or a particular domain of action. Now here's how this works. This is very easy. Meta-ethics is the theoretical proposition. Blah, 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 blah. Said, 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 said. Blah, blah, blah. You, you know, born again Christians, it's just words, 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 but they are not backing their words. Those are people that get stuck in meta-ethics. Everything's about science talk. Everything's about blah, 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 even though it's very important in the three steps of getting somewhere with them. Normative ethics is concerning the practical aspect and meanings of whatever this course, moral course of action that is being blah, blah, blah. So blah, blah, blah is one thing. Normative ethics is actually taking it, putting it in a practical application, getting it all bundled up, all nice and ready. The answer is in normative ethics so that the final piece can come into play, and that is applied ethics, and that is an actual action that changes a domain. It will literally change a culture. I have seen communities set on fire by the Holy Spirit, and it changed the entire community. Don't tell me God's not into ethics. Whoever came up with these layers... I personally believe there was a good chance they were inspired by God in doing so. It's very simple. It's describing the church. Don't only hear by the hearing of your ears the words of your preachers and teachers. And walk out. And do not formulate a plan of how you're going to bundle this up and carry it forward into applied ethics. That's what's happened to the church. Satan has fragmented generational ethics to the point that generations are being destroyed because they are fragmented. I'm going to stop now and ask if you have questions. This is very critical. Or you'll never really totally grasp where I'm going to take you the next couple months. No. Every form of ethics goes through these three steps. So if they're applied ethics and situational ethics, situational ethics would actually come under like study and art. That's what situational ethics would be. But it would still go through what's the proposition on this. Okay, if that's the proposition, then what exactly is the normative bundle on this? And then what is the answer? Applied ethics is the answer. It's not debatable. It's done. It's the conclusion. You do all your debating on the meta-ethics. That's the science level. It's all the discussions on what really is money or what is value or what is whatever. And that's where most people like to hang out. Talk, blah, 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 blah. That's why to me the, the world government report when 
when I got access to it. Most of it in there was blah, 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 blah to me. But the only thing that really caught me is when they said Generation Z need to be cyborg. Now they had my attention. See, they're tampering with creation. They're tampering with all of the normative ethics. The application of the word of God. They're going to adjust it. And for our listeners, all you have to do is just kind of hang in there because next podcast, you're going to get some real meat, good statistics, lots of fun stuff on this particular slide that you're looking at, the normal, natural, neutral aspects of ethics, and this. This is real ethics. Godological ethics, if you want to give it a title. In God's world view, meta-ethics is concerning the theological meaning and reference of biblical propositions in Christ and how his truth mandates are determined through the absolute word of God. Normative ethics. Concerning the practical means of determining his indwelling course of action in and through the born-again believer. Applied ethics would be concerning Christ's obligation to live out specific situations or actions in and through his bride. Now there is the comparison you need to keep in mind from in regard to when we talk about Christ's followers are pretty darn good at generational ethics versus Christ as life worldview. And that's where people get lost. They get lost between the two. So they tend to think as a follower of Christ their ethics are pretty decent. They're workers. They're definitely got a plan. They have their little checklist that they go through. The world today is pretty darn good at just generational ethics. But being in Christ Jesus, looking at ethics, looking at worldview through the mind of Christ, I don't meet very many people that understand that how can you release Christ's mind when yours is dominating itself anyone who sets his mind upon earthly things gets crappy ethics made up ethics twisted ethics we just love to argue we love to flap our jaws and that's why I just turn people off I try to be smiley, smiley, and nice as I can as their, their, their ethical view has gone bad on me. And I have to wait until they're done flapping their jaw about their ethics. And then I step up and I have my bundle ready. And then I do applied ethics of their illogical conclusions. It's very easy to learn. And I think our listeners, after a couple months, will really get 
this down quite well. It's just discipleship, to be honest with you. I'm just using terms that they seem to love to use today. It's discipleship. It's training people how to communicate again with the gospel. We have to literally retrain a brand new generation. They are blank slates, folks. We have to start all over. Pick up your Bible. What translation do you have? Who gave that Bible to you? We're starting all over. Statistics from three major researchers have already put Gen Z in a category of being, quote-unquote, blank slates, no worldview. So that's what we're going to do. The rest of 2018 is we're going to get some tools for you to keep in your toolbox. But I can't make you carry that toolbox around. That's up to you. But we're starting over. Because that's how we built it to start with. We're going to go back and use the same method that Jesus Christ himself built his disciples with. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.